0: If Jesus is all of those things, then what difference does it make? If that's true, and if the Bible record, and not only that, but the records of the Romans and the Jews during that time, that Jesus actually lived, that he was crucified by the Romans at the instigation of the Jewish leaders... If, if it's true, and the Bible is right, and the Roman historians and the Jewish historians are correct, and that something happened and he died, and then there was this tomb that was totally empty. And if it's true that the disciples had lost all hope, the women weren't in the upper room, ladies. The men were shriveling and and huddling together and terrified to even go outside so that they locked the door deadbolt time. And how scared do you have to be to be one of those disciples, most of which had lived rough lives, either blue-collar rough lives or shady white-collar rough lives? There were either guys, Simon the Zealot, they were known for assassinations. Peter was probably someone you would want to have on your side if you got into a brawl. And Matthew, the former tax collector, he could cook your books like nobody else. And all of that conglomeration of messed upness and brokenness, Jesus chose and said, Follow me. They did. Then everything came to a grinding halt, and their their teacher. Their leader, the one they thought was the Messiah, died. Then, if the Jewish and Roman historians are correct, and the New Testament writers are correct, there was something that happened. There was a change from those disciples being terrified, frightened, trembling men all in an upper room together to being fiery evangelists who were beaten, who were put in stocks and stretched out so that their backs would be pulled tight like leather so they could break open easier. They were beaten. They were jailed. They were thrown out of cities. The apostle Paul later was stoned and left for dead. But yet these very same apostles who once had lost all hope and even the apostle Paul before before he got saved, was a persecutor of the church, had a radical change happen. As they truly believed that they had seen the crucified Jesus risen again. Not only did he appear to those 11 disciples, not only did he appear to his disciples who followed him at a distance, but he saved people in the first century. And down through time, we see the march of Jesus Christ. Today, where it is night, there is around this planet enclosed countries and Muslim countries and communist countries and countries to where it is not illegal to be a Christian, but it is so ingrained within the population that you don't become a follower of Christ that you will lose everything if they know that you're meeting and speaking and praying in His name. Then we have this thing called America. America we have people in America who will say, I believe everything that E.M. Lockridge, that great preacher, said about Jesus. I believe that Jesus lived. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and was risen again on the third day. But it doesn't make a drop of difference in your life. If Jesus is who he said he is then everything has to change. If He truly is risen from the dead, we're going to look in John chapter 11 at some implications of that. And this will be just an honest message. Is that okay? I believe that God loves us enough to be honest. And just to let you all know, there is nothing about Jeff Robinson that can help anybody. I can't save anybody, I can't rescue anybody, I can't, I can't free someone from addictions, I can't pull pride out of someone's heart, and it's only by the grace of Jesus Christ that I'm here today. So as, as one friend to another, I want to communicate to you the gravity and the importance of God's word, and if Jesus actually lived and died and rose from the dead, then what effect does that have on us? John chapter 11 there in verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus, his friend, had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, Notice this, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. In other words, Jesus, I know there will be that day at the end of time to where it will be the resurrection. It will be judgment day. I know that day is coming, Jesus But then Jesus changes the whole ball field in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ You're the Messiah, the Son of God who is coming into the world. You see, Jesus said, listen, it's not just a future day that's coming. It's not just when you stand before God and give an account of your life. question, if that day was today, how would you do? Some of us say, Jeff, well, I've, I've tried to, to start living a better life this past year, these past few months, because you see, Jeff, years ago, I used to be really bad, but now I'm not so bad. And Jeff, in my mind and my heart, I really do believe that if, if I had scales of good and bad, I've, I've really, really bottomed out on the bad, but I'm, I'm slowly trying to even that out. Listen. The gospel is not concerned so much with your actions and you starting to become a better person. Jesus came to change our hearts. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that you who were dead and your sins and trespasses, God has made alive. Imagine if you had been there with Mary and Martha. I have lost a brother, one of my younger brothers, to cancer several years ago. And the heartache and the brokenness and the what in the world does this mean? God, help Time, it comes. And they were there in that time of grief. He had been dead four days. And if we progress the narrative just a few verses later, long story short, Jesus raises him from the dead. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. He raises a man from the dead. Now, question mark. If you had been there and it had been delayed, Jesus' coming, and the man was already in the tomb four days... And Jesus says, your brother will live again. It didn't matter how, what you had seen Jesus do, you may think, Jesus, you may be a little bit sleep deprived. Amen. Like the, and, and even this is, this is in, in the text there in verse number 39, when Jesus says, take away the stone, Mara, uh, Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead for four days. Your King James version says, and he stinketh. He's thinking, right? I mean, man, this guy was absolutely dead. I mean, deader than a dead church at 1203 on a Sunday morning. Dead. And Jesus calls him to come forth, and guess what he does? He comes forth. Now, that's probably when a lot of people either froze or either ran. Or didn't know what to do. But can you imagine Lazarus being raised from the dead, hearing the voice of Jesus, boom, life had been given. And for what we know, Lazarus was a man who had his faith in God. He's a man, we use the terminology, who had been saved according to faith in the Messiah who would come. And he was in the presence of God. And God says, go back down. Really, Lord? And so he comes. And can you imagine being raised from the dead, and you're in a tomb. Y'all all right, you're in a tomb. <laughs> Claustrophobic people, you're already sweating. The people who don't like freaky deaky stuff, you know, that weird, you know, spooky stuff, you're already weirded out. And man, we have no record in the Bible of Lazarus going, Jesus, thank you for raising me from the dead, but uh, I got some things I got to improve my life on here. Y'all following me? Jesus, you don't understand. If I come to you right now, it's not going to give me time to order the things in my life the way they should be. Listen, when Jesus calls you to come out of the grave and you are made alive, you don't want to stay in the graveyard anymore. And listen, Jesus Christ can give life to you today. You know, the most dangerous, I think the most dangerous predicament in America is this. If you are not, if you're not an alcoholic, Oh wait, good, good job, that's great. You're not an alcoholic, good job. If you, if you, if you're not shooting up hardline drugs, good job. If you don't have heroin in your car and needle and you cannot wait to get home to shoot up, good job. Praise Jesus. If you can't, if you cannot, I mean, if you are absolutely paying your bills, man, and, and working, that's kind of a novel concept today, right? A lot of folks love that you work. So they don't have to? <laughs> if you are an upstanding citizen and you pay your taxes and you're honest on your tax, for- tax forms, hello. I just forgot to use a pencil, my bad, right? You're honest, you take care of your family, you're a good husband to your wife. You don't you don't beat your wife and 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 beat her down verbally and emotionally and mentally. You're there. You provide. You're, you're you're a good wife to your kids. You you feed them food, right? Jesus says if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Like and Jesus gives this crazy illustration. He's like if you're a good parent and your child asks for bread, you're not going to give them a rock. If they ask for a fish, you're not going to give them a scorpion or a, or a snake. And he said, "If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father in Heaven, man? So here's where some of you are this morning. Like I guess that we're going to be honest. You're not hooked on drugs. You're not an alcoholic. You don't. The, the, you're not on cops. <laughs> All right, man. When I lived in Fort Worth, some of the best episodes of cops were filmed in my neighborhood. I'm not even kidding, man. First week going to bed, her pop, 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 pop. My roommate from Alabama comes in. He's got a shotgun." He's like, hey, uh, do you know how to uh, remove the uh, the plug so I can get five in here instead of just three? I mean, he was ready to go, ready to rumble, right? I mean, everything in your life, man, it seems to be sailing along. You're like, I'm not, I'm not dead. Like, I'm not, I'm not in the grave. I'm not like dead Lazarus there, just choked out. I'm doing fine. I've got a nice vehicle. I pay my bills. Listen, you're in the greatest danger of all because you think everything is fine. And Jesus Christ, when he comes to us and he shows us who we are, he shows us that we all need him. And something that I've noticed, man, working with people who are doing time at jail or in prison or when I worked at a juvenile place in Florida with these with these teenage guys who had done stuff to where they were locked up or with people who are hooked on stuff. They've got addictions and their marriage is breaking apart. They know they need Jesus. But all across America today, we've got, we've got upstanding folks. They dress nice, look nice. If you catch them at the right time of day, they smell nice. And everything's fine. It is not fine if Jesus Christ has not changed your life. Let me just peel back the layers here and show you how some of us have a thinking pattern that is absolutely and totally insane. You ready? Some of us, Franklin County, here this morning, we will say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and He died on the cross for my sins, rose from the dead three days later. But it's never made a difference in our life. We've never been changed. Listen, if Jesus truly rose and let me give you several implications if you want to follow along in your outline number one if this actually happened if the resurrection is true listen it means that god exists it means that the resurrection this is good news if you're a believer in jesus christ it drives the metal stake not the wooden the metal stake through the heart of atheism and pins it to the ground because if you're really dead we're not talking about you know Touched by an angel weirded out by an angel near-death experience something like that We're talking about absolutely and totally dead and jesus comes back from the dead You can't explain that in naturalistic materialistic terms science cannot explain that It means that someone or something outside the natural created order Intervenes into the natural created order and works what we know as a miracle You know, sometimes in church we think everything's a miracle don't we right? We think everything's a miracle We're going down the road and our our car starts making a funny sound. So we do like Charlie Brown's dad, turn the radio up a little bit. And then then it makes a little bit louder sound. We say, oh, Jesus, please help me to get home. And then it kind of goes away and we're like, oh, praise the Lord. Well, the bad gas just got through your carburetor. That's what happened, right? We think everything. But listen... Sometimes god provides for us someone who encourages us someone who gives us a gift to help us pay that bill And that is god's providence But a miracle is when a dead man comes to life And let me just say a bunch of y'all are absolutely stark raving lunatics because here's what you believe A lot of you in here today would say I believe that jesus actually rose from the dead y'all are weird You realize what you say when you say that? You really believe that 2,000 years ago or so that there was a guy over in the, in the land of Israel who really died and he was dead? I mean, the Roman soldiers, if, if they allowed someone to get down off the cross who was not dead, they suffered the same penalty, so they made sure with a spear and pierced his vital organs. I mean, listen, that, that's called incentive on the job, right? For you employers, that's incentive. That wouldn't be a good thing to say today, you know. If you don't fix the car, we're going to we're gonna kill you at work. Don't do that. That's weird. All right. But if you believe that, you really believe that someone was dead and came back to life? That's craziness. If God does not exist. But if God does exist, then this is not just for you thinkers. This is not just a random freak accident. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ fits perfectly. It is a wedge. It is a dovetail with the whole prophetic framework of the Old Testament. In other words, Jesus wasn't some guy who just randomly showed up on the scene and started saying that he's God, right? You ever been in a psychology class? You know, they always show you that pic, that, that video where one person thinks they're Napoleon, one person thinks they're Jesus, God the Son, and one thinks that they're God the Father. And we say, they're crazy. Listen, if Jesus actually rose, God intervened. He, God intervened and he did something which we know as A miracle and not only that does god exist but we know who god is notice that jesus says back there in verse number 25 jesus says i am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me though he die yet shall he live boy not only do we know that god exists but we know who he is a lot of people say this today. You know what, Jeff? I think that there's something out there. There's a higher power. You know, if you're a, a Star Wars fan, you know, it's like the force. You know what I'm saying? Just some Yoda-izable thing out there that you can kind of tap into that'll give you the warm fuzzies when you're driving home. Other people will say, well, you know, he's just a man upstairs, and that's all he is. Listen, God is not just an old man upstairs. Waiting for you to finally come to the place to where you start just attending church on Sunday morning. Man, God wants so much more than that. He wants to radically change your life. And some of you are like, that freaks me out. Even the ones among us who don't, who are not really that opposed to change. Listen, when Jesus comes in, He changes everything. You say, well, Jeff, what does Jesus change when he comes into a person's life? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Number one, we know that because of the resurrection and when Christ comes in, we know the true purpose of life, which is to love God and obey him. The way that we first love God is to obey what he said, which is to repent, which means to do a 180, to turn away from our life and what we think is best and turn to him in total trust. Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the Bible says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. But some of us, we say, now Jeff, if I come to Jesus Christ, won't that mean I'm saying that I can't be a good enough person? Yes. In fact, the gospel is the mortal enemy of self-righteousness. You know, some of us, we think that we just need a little bit more church or we need to stop drinking less. We need to stop cussing less. We need to invite our friends to church. Listen, when your heart is changed, you can't help yourself. What we see in the Bible is that God is pursuing us even though we're running from him. And this one, be, be very honest again, there is nothing, I heard this at a conference. This is a great word. There is no good news for unrepentant sinners. There's all the best news in the world for those who would come to Christ, those on death row, those who have molested children, A terrorist, a person who's doing a life sentence for something very, very evil. There is good news for everyone who comes to God in repentance. But for a person who comes and says, God, I think I can do it on my own. There is only the word of judgment. Y'all okay? And here's the thing. If you have not yet submitted yourself to Christ, there is only judgment to come. A lot of churches in Virginia, a lot of places around the United States, there are pastors. And I I can say this because I am one, and we have literally sold our soul to the devil. I don't want to be in that crowd, but it's like this. The message is watered down, and it's the same thing that Judas did. It's basically saying, I'll water down the message so that you'll come back, so that you won't feel uncomfortable when you come. And that is simply 30 pieces of silver. Jesus loves us so much to tell us that there is a day coming in which God will judge the world in righteousness for you and I. One day we have an appointment with the undertaker. One day we will be Lazarus. Y'all excited about Easter Sunday, right? I mean, and these flowers even here even smell like a, a funeral home, right? Right? There is only judgment to come. Well, we don't talk about this today, do we? Listen, if you, if you, I mean, you can be involved in church. You can be involved in church a little bit, a whole lot. But if Jesus Christ has not transformed your heart so that he is first place in your life, so that he has radically changed you, you're going to hell. And that's not what Jeff thinks. That's simply what Jesus said. Okay? And let me be very honest. Some of you are married to your job. You have a wife You have a husband, you have kids, but you're totally in love with what you do. That defines you, that gives you your sense of identity, and that has become an idol in your life. Let's just be more honest. Some of you men are leading your family straight to hell because you don't talk to them about Jesus. You don't read the word of God to them. Jesus is nowhere near the first place in your life. And they are following your example And they are following your words And I'm here to warn you this morning Regardless if you're new with us Or whether you've been a member of Rocky Mount Baptist Church for decades You're leading them straight Into the jaws of hell Because most boys especially They want to be like their daddy And they eventually do it Unless God comes in in His grace And changes your heart You know some of us we think that our jobs Our houses, our projects Our recreational activities That is life Listen Psalm chapter 127, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Listen, there's going to be a day to where I die and you die, and guess who's? Guess what's going to happen to our job? Somebody else is going to take it. They're going to have a funeral service for you. They're going to have a time to where people remember Jeff Robinson and his life. There may be a plaque on a church somewhere or on a pew or at your job to where they remember you. But time will go on. None of us are replaceable. And so God, through his word, is challenging us to put at the forefront of our lives what should be at the forefront of our lives, which is to repent and believe the gospel. Jonathan Edwards said this, the heart of man is not prepared to receive the mercy of God in Christ as free until he is sensible of his own demerit. Here's one of the ways that you can see if you've never been changed by Christ, especially for our men. If there is no desire for the word of God, if the Bible seems to you as boring as reading the worst thing in the world, That would, I mean, you would rather have your legs waxed than to be bored that bad and that's pretty bad. If you have no desire to see people come to Jesus Christ, if there's no desire to say, God, I want to make much of you in every way in my life. And we're not talking about prayers when we get into trouble. We're talking about Jesus being number one in our life. God is calling us today in Rocky Mount, Virginia, to come to a place of commitment and faith in Jesus Christ. And others of us will say, well, Jeff, I've been involved in church. Or I'm, I've started to be involved in church. Listen, if there is no fruit, there is no root. We okay? If there's been no change, there's been no Christ. That video that we watch, Jesus is all of that and more. And some of us, we say, man, who are you to say that to me? Listen, Jesus wants to change your life. He has so much power. He has so much love that if we come to that place where we just give our lives to him, everything will change. The direction of your life will change and everything will become brand new. And some of us who have been around church for a while, we become like gun collectors. Those of y'all that enjoy shooting and hunting, it's awesome. It's kind of like this. You ever talk to a gun collector? The gun collector has a collection of guns, but the guns are never used. And sometimes we can have this gun collection of Bible knowledge in our head, but it's never translated into obedience in our life. The call of Jesus Christ is, man, don't don't shoot somebody, but use what I've given you. Jesus has seen, and there are some of you who say, man, Jeff, I, I, I'm not involved in a church anywhere. I believe in Jesus Christ. Things have happened. I have backslid. Well, to backslide, you have to have slid forward in the first place. I mean, there has, there has to have been a change. And that's not just attending a church. But you know that God has been dealing with your heart. You've been at home. And it's like the Holy Spirit has, has opened your conscience to say, I want to change you. You need me. And the leading voice in the hand of the Holy Spirit has led you closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And you are so close on that edge. Listen, when you repent and you believe and you trust the gospel, you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is, everything will change and you begin to, like it says in Luke chapter 9 verse 23, to follow Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will save it for what does it profit if he a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul some of us we say Jeff I'm gonna give my life to Jesus Christ but I'm gonna do it when work slows down you know how many people are in hell because they said I'll get saved I'll just do it tomorrow I'll just do it next week The call of Jesus Christ is for absolute and total and radical repentance. For some of you, money is your God. You are chasing that dollar. That's good to want to be successful and to try to provide for your family. But for some of you, that has become a God in your life. And the true God is coming to you today saying that I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the one who life is about. And for those of you who will say, Jeff, I believe everything in the video. I believe everything in the Bible. Then what are you doing with your life? God has saved you to be a world changer, to pull your life together with other believers, to do missions, to pray for people, to see God do amazing things in your friends and your family. And Satan will come to you and he'll say, if you try to get saved, you can't, you can't hold up your end of the bargain. He's right because there is no end of the bargain for us. It's a total gift from God. For soless, we have so much in the back in the past, so much baggage that when we come to Jesus, we say, "I can never be what you want me to be." That's first base. Understanding I could not, ever, ever keep up to follow Jesus. I would fail, I would stumble. That's the gospel. That's the gospel to where God says, "I know you. I know what you've been through. I know what and who you are." But even knowing that, I came and I sent my son so that you would be saved and you would be forgiven. Some of you that have never had a father, we spoke about that last week in church. God is the great father. He is the one who will never leave you and never forsake you. And he is the one who is able to transform your life. Man, I, I'm i so excited. In, in, in November, we're going to go on a mission trip to Southeast Asia from Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Can you believe that? Let me say something, too. We hardly ever wear suits and ties around here, but I wore mine today and a bunch of other guys. Y'all got the memo, too, I guess. We're not about that. We're not about suits and ties or hymns or new songs or whether we get out at noon. (laughs) We're just people who have come to the feet of Jesus And said, God, I've got a busy life, yes. I have baggage, yes. But I'm coming to you today. Some of you have been there, some of you not. And you say, Jesus, I need you to make everything brand new. God will so change your life. He will use you for things that you could have never imagined, but it has to come to the place of brokenness and repentance. The great... Preacher J.C. Ryle said this, for those of you who claim to be followers of Jesus, the highest form of selfishness is that of the person who is content to go to heaven alone. The highest form of selfishness is that of the person who is content to go to heaven alone alone. Some of you have, ne- you, I mean, you, you may be involved here every single week, but you have not one time opened your mouth at your job and your social circles with your friends to tell them about Jesus Christ, even to invite them to church. There has to be a point to where we're honest with ourselves. And if Jesus is truly the risen Christ and he's the resurrection and the life, then everything changes. And if we say we believe that and our life hasn't changed, then we don't really believe it. But if we're that place we say, I want to, I want to be changed. Jesus can change you today.